everyone, and welcome to Phone Calls with Brendan and Ian. I'm Brendan Garland, and I'm a visual artist and creative. And I'm Ian Schaller. I'm a personal trainer and a philosopher. Brendan and I met at college in the Midwest, but now, living on opposing coasts, we keep in touch through phone calls, which we are sharing with you. As a podcast, phone calls is freeform, authentic, and natural, much as any conversation to a friend would be. Using mindfulness as our guide, we unpack our daily lives and travel across a spectrum of topics, which ultimately lead us back to mindfulness. As the listener, we hope our phone calls give you insight on how to allow yourself to simply be and live more consciously. This is Diana. This is Diana's voice. Her <laughs> body and spirit. Hi, Brent. Hello. Where Hi. are you talking to you from? Where, where are you at? Uh, I am currently in Georgia. Um, near Savannah, if you've ever been. It's like an hour away. Yep, I used to paddle um, the St. Mary's, which starts out just south of there, of Savannah. Mm, nice. So Diana and I have kind of like warmed up the conversation a little bit. She's um, she's someone like I've, I've like ever since I've met her, I've looked up to her a ton because she's so organized and involved in so many things. <laughs> and I'm pretty nervous right now, but I'm like <laughs> definitely ready to jump into it with you. Um, we were just actually we were just talking about some of the roles you play. Um, so I guess that's kind of like a mm-hmm. good transition to yeah. kind of a good intro for you. Yeah. Talk about those. And from a tech perspective, I'm just fascinated and curious with how is the audio working with with us being on a porch with cars driving by and no actual mics on us? Like, have you got all that tech handle, Brendan? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a very uh, like we wanted to keep it as like um, like a phone call as possible. Oh, cool. Yeah. Great. So we try to, uh, I try to get like some of the little glitches and stuff like that out. But for the most part, I mean, it's really like you're listening in on a phone call. Awesome. Okay, cool. Thanks for explaining that. That helps. (laughs) Yeah. So if uh, if you want to go into sort of like, who who are you? The roles that I play. Yeah, the roles in the that you play. Yeah, 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 that's funny since my morning was spent looking at roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yep, my name is Diana, and I am a wife and a mother of three children, and I am a teacher and a facilitator. Uh, so, teacher of many different skills, whether it's gardening or yoga or cooking. Um, facilitator of experiences, whether it's um, strategic planning or goal setting or visioning or um, embodied practice, uh, yoga, things like that. That kind of crosses the line between teacher and facilitator. Um, And then, uh, you know, in a sort of identifiable way, I'm the, the manager of the Dr. John Wilson Community Garden here in Black Mountain, which serves couple hundred people, both volunteers and gardeners and recipients of, of our bounty. Um, I, in, in the social network map that I just discovered, learned about this morning, I would definitely fall to the role of caregiver and healer and builder um, that, that I really care for the spiritual and material needs of my community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, are there any of those 
identify with more or less than. No, it feels really integrated. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like one is not separate from the other. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it would have to be because you're, you have your hands in so many like honey pots. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would have to be a very smooth transition from like one role to the next. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, um, you would need more self-care, which, which is something yeah. else we were talking about yeah. a moment ago. Yeah. Yeah. In, and I was sharing with you about the Herman Brain Dominance Institute work and how you can do a, a reading about your personality. And uh, you, through a process of, you know, am I this or this? Am I this or this? Am I not this or not this? You, you kind of go through and you get to a single word that most describes you. Mm -hmm. And the word, I, I didn't know that's what the process was oh, at the time. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you're just like choosing this word and are going through words. And the word that I most identified with was uh, simultaneous. Mm. And it's the ability to hold and do multiple things at the same time yeah and so yeah it's that it's that sense of um none of these things none of these things roles that i play seem in conflict with one another yeah. that's great mm -hmm. yeah there was there's another dancer that i like followed on instagram for a while mm -hmm. and something he like talked about was like if you like want to get good at a lot of things or if you want to like have like a jack of all trades mm -hmm. like they can't be like broken apart you mm -hmm. have to to see like where they connect and where they piece together and like yes that. yeah that synthesis is so important and um joe our friend joe from the garden yeah. yesterday uh used this term with me that i absolutely loved um and it's neo-generalist mm. which is a phrase that i'd never mm. heard before you know so, so often people will be like oh you're a renaissance man or a renaissance woman and um which i've never quite felt like it's always flattering to hear that, yeah. but it doesn't. Like I never quite embraced it. But neo generalist, I'm like, yeah, like uh -huh. that's humble enough for me. Right, right, right. <laughs> like I definitely um, like the, the neo kind of adds like a, a a novelty to it, and then just acknowledging that yeah, I'm a generalist. Like yeah. I don't have that one thing that I am incredibly um, that I, that that I've specified in such mm -hmm. to excellence, you know, like I'm good at a lot of different things and I enjoy a lot of different things. And in my enjoyment of all those different things really lends and, and supports my enjoyment in the, in all of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, because mm -hmm. I think we're kind of in a world where people tend to specialize mm -hmm. and then they get really caught up in these specific roles. And then that's how they end up viewing the world from this very mm -hmm. specialized view. Um, like for example, like if someone goes to get like their doctorates, like the reason I didn't go get my doctorates in philosophy mm -hmm. is because I couldn't see myself being so narrow minded on like this one specific thing. Yep. Um, and so I think that's why now, I don't, I don't juggle as well as you do, but I find myself like throughout the day, you know, I'm like playing music and poetry and like just being outside mm -hmm. and working out and yoga mm -hmm. and doing all those things. Yes. So, um, yeah, for sure. Do you think, like, how has that impacted like your worldview, just looking at everything around you? Oh, wow. I think it's made me a lot more open-minded. Something about what you just shared made me think of, um, you know, the idea of specialization, it made me think of the opening chapter in Barbara Wall-Kimmerer's book, Braiding Sweetgrass. Hmm. If you've read I've it. heard of it. Yeah. I haven't read it yet. She talks about 
coming from she it's a it's by way of introduction to let you know who she is and um and she's she holds in both hands her indigenous history and and identity and her scientist mm-hmm. that both of those parts live within her and she shares the story of when she went to apply to to college um to maybe for her doctorate i can't remember which um level of her higher education but the panel that she was applying to uh they said you know why do you want to become a scientist why do you want to study study science or biology as it may have been and she said well i want to understand why goldenrod and ironweed look so beautiful together Mm. and yeah like that just makes you feel something so deeply right but their response was that's not a legitimate reason to study Science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and so yeah, specialization to me takes away my mystery and wonder. Mm-hmm. And generalization, and even right, if given those words, like specialization feels so special. It feels like yeah. if I'm not specializing, that I'm not special. Yeah. <laughs> and generalize generalist makes me feel sort of normal and common. Um, but when when I'm in that space of seeing the connection between all things and welcoming my passion for multiple areas of the world and of, of ways of being and doing, it just awakens in me this deep awe of the mystery of mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. in oh a way gosh. that specialization doesn't like I need those connections between things like I remember studying in college um classical political economics simultaneous to molecular biology mm-hmm. <laughs> and um because I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to specialize in either one of them oh yeah yeah <laughs> those are like two opposite and um and and what happened was like at some point when I was like mired in the drudgery of both of them and just like, ah, oh, these are such hard subjects. They're so unwieldy and so all consuming. There was this like epiphany where one day I was reading something, you know, by Locke or something in the library. And it suddenly the macrocosm of economics connected with the microcosm of molecular biology in this really oh. beautiful way. And I think in that moment perhaps the seeds for me began to be planted of oh i can never specialize mm. wow that was like the best answer ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've seen like this this youtube video and it's, it's kind of inspired how brenda we're gonna let you talk in just a second <laughs> um i saw this video of like it zooms in on like a cell right and it's like it's all like it's animated but like put together and so it zooms in on the cell and it gets smaller and smaller and like down into like like the, the organs of the cell and then it's like the, you know, what elements the cells make yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the atoms and so on and so on. And then it zooms out and it goes like all the way opposite and it comes out and pictures like the world mm. and it pictures like the galaxy, mm. the universe. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a, the visual is like, I don't know, it just does something to you. Just no, kind of like your, your yeah. conversation. With it. Yeah. Total sidebar, but at some point we'll have to get you in my husband's virtual reality headsets uh-huh. because you can do that in virtual reality. So you yeah. think about how cool it was for you to see that, like in two D on a little you yeah. know, YouTube video. Uh-huh. Imagine 
being inside <laughs> of it and yeah. being able to just scroll at will with your thumb, you know, on this hand, on this, this, you know, device with, with the mm -hmm. holding your hand. Um, and you can be like at the atomic level or you can be like at the level of dinosaurs. Oh my God. <laughs> like massive things. <laughs> so, I can get lost in that. Kind yeah. Of Brendan, you there? Yeah. Do you have anything to add? Sorry, we've, uh, captured the conversation to our own <laughs> no <laughs> you asked the question that i was gonna ask so uh, which one was that um well that just about like feeling or like doing multiple things at once because i think we live or like our society says that doing a lot of things at once is like not productive you know which i feel like is probably a myth of like capitalism I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think that there are a lot of people who still agree that like you have to do one specific thing or else like you're not good or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's a really interesting connection to capitalism for sure. That makes a lot of sense. It's far more efficient in a capitalist society for us to all just get in our lane and stay there. Mm -hmm. Why would you consider yourself uh, a caregiver, healer, or builder, and well, why has that like played such an important role in your life? Because I think, like in my opinion, that is like directly anti-capitalist as well. So I'd be interested, like, what your take on it is, or how you got into it. Yeah, I, in many ways, it just feels like how I've been called forth. Like it's 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 one of those things where it's hard to know, you know, how much of it is my intention, how much of it is my community calling it from me. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to separate it all out. But, you know, I think that I show up in a healer in the spot in this, in the piece of like, I've been, I've been a yoga teacher here in Black Mountain since 2009. And, and honestly, like that started because the at the time director of our local health fitness club saw me in her husband's yoga class that she was co-teaching with him and after the class said you need to be teaching come in on Sunday you know and this was like Thursday <laughs> and I want you to teach a class and if I like what you teach or how you teach then I want to hire you and um I'd been practicing for 10 years but you know, I wasn't certified. I'd never taken any training. It just kind of blew my mind. And I went to my teacher and asked for her blessing to teach the class. And she gave it to me. And then I've been teaching ever since. And with the community garden work, I started out as a volunteer. And, um, and then I got asked if I wanted to get paid to, to do the work and, and just have been expanding that that program and, and my role in that program ever since. And I think, you know, my home is a sort of home where my children, children's friends come in and, and other people come into our home. And if you are um, unwell in any way, um, you will be cared for. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> it's either a, a syrup or a tincture <laughs> or um, a tea or a conversation. But yeah, I mean, you enter the doors of our home and it is inevitable <laughs> that you will be fed or healed in some way or nourished uh, deeply in some way. And it just, it's, it's just my, 
my work in this world. Um, I don't know how else to say it. And except that it doesn't feel like work, right? Like we, you know, I grew up in, in where my parents were of the generation where my father had the same job that he, or the same, he worked for the same company from the time he graduated from college until he retired. Like that doesn't happen anymore, right? Um, that was back in the days of like when companies took care of their employees and um, where you could really grow wealth. By, by doing that, by staying in the same career field and in, with the same company. And, um, and work was just something that you did every day, separate from, from, from your, the rest of your life. And for me, a long time ago, I got really clear that work and play and life were all meant to be integrated as one daily experience it's really interesting you're bringing up play mm -hmm. i don't know I, always, I feel like i always talk to you about like strange like synchronicities that are mm -hmm. happening in my life and mm -hmm. play is always coming up but i just recently read a chapter in a book called uh, the ascent of humanity mm -hmm. by charles eisenstein mm -hmm. i don't have i talked to this no, okay, I know this book. okay. Mm -hmm. gotcha mm -hmm. you know the work that work or do you know of it of him okay, yeah gotcha. mm -hmm. So he's talking about how um, technology, language, all those things kind of put, like, they separate us from nature. And, like, that's our downfall, mm -hmm. you know, like, and mm -hmm. because we put ourselves so much above nature, we don't realize the kind of, like, pain we're causing ourselves and nature, mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. And he had this huge chapter, because it seems really bleak when he lays it all out for you, um, of, like, how much is, like, wrong yeah. with what we're doing. But then he's he's like, but wait, there's like hope, and like his answer is essentially it's like play. Mm -hmm. He hasn't, I haven't got to that chapter yet, but he like introduced it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's really cool you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, I think that a lot of really wise thought leaders out in the world right now are speaking to that. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. That play is really important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In what way have you like heard that come up? I haven't. I don't. Oh my gosh. Um, well, my husband, for example, and the work that he does um, with virtual reality and team building and um, I, I mean, he lives from a belief system that um, that play will heal us and that play will point the way and that and that um, integrating play is what lends innovation, creativity. Uh, particularly innovation yeah. like play is where growth transformation and innovation it's like the it's where the it's where we can explore that edge and always live there um yeah that without play we can't um evolve what is play oh uh, play is which honestly it's funny that i don't think of myself as that great at it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because the word that immediately comes up is purposeless. Mm -hmm. And I often feel the need <laughs> if I'm going to engage in anything, I'm going to be like, what's our purpose? Where are we going? What's the plan? Um, but interestingly, that gets into like my, like where I function under pressure. Like mm -hmm. my, my thinking style under pressure is to be detailed and organized and a planner. But my thinking style that's preferred is emotional and intuitive and expressive and musical mm. and so 
so really clay is is being in well in, yeah so purposeless and you know the idea of kairos and chronos the two different greek names for time mm -hmm. and chronos is what we tend to as americans live in all the time it's like our clock it's it's every you know minute hour everything's scheduled and segmented and accounted for but kairos is that flow state when when you are in an experience and five minutes could have passed or two hours could have passed mm -hmm. it's just there's no there's no way of it's a whole different way of being in time mm -hmm. and so to me play is purposeless and it's kairos and it it's unattached to outcome which again is that that purposelessness um it's open-hearted it's vulnerable like, like good play is super vulnerable right yeah. like if you can think about being a child and you have this and it's and good play is also desire filled yeah and because i can it, like when i think about what's at the heart of play it's it's the vulnerability to communicate my desire and the unattachment to whether or not it's received ah. or whether it's even acted out yeah. but it's the ability to say hey i want to do this do you want to do this with me? Yeah. That feels like play. Oh, I love it. So, okay, you answered my question then. Because I was going to ask, like, it seems to me like play is like spontaneous, you know? Like, yes. And not tangent, but kind of tangent. Um, oftentimes, I'm like, how do I play more? Mm. You know what I mean? And then I'm trying to, like, think. Mm -hmm. Trying to, like, mentalize how to play more. How to be, mm -hmm. like, more spontaneous. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> So perhaps that's a question we could talk about. But also, I, I didn't know, like, with it being, like, you said purposeless. Mm -hmm. So purposeless and desire, like, kind of, like, arising in the same thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that, that desire almost lives more freely without purpose, maybe. Mm -hmm. I'll, have to, I'll have to think about that. Yeah. About the relationship between desire and purpose. Mm -hmm. But I feel like true desire is detached from purpose but again i need to think yeah. about that you made me think of the word like yearning mm. instead of desire because like i don't know at least maybe this mm. i don't want to word it and mm -hmm. not be correct with what you're saying but like yeah. for me it's more like a yearning just to like really be vulnerable and playful mm. like, ah! <laughs> for that whole time yearning though for me has a connotation of um desire without any hope of ever achieving it ah, okay. <laughs> it feels like desire filled with some sadness or some oh, nostalgia okay. you're right you're right i can see that mm -hmm. but then i did like how you said like a non-attachment to whether or not you that desire is fulfilled I think yeah cool. yeah play also to me is a, a huge connotation of freedom mm -hmm. freedom to be myself yeah. and freedom for others to be themselves and curiosity play is filled with curiosity mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. brendan mm -hmm. yeah i mean i couldn't agree more that's what i was just thinking about is the curiosity in play and how important that is and how like i i almost feel like curiosity is like the antithesis to purpose because when you're curious you don't know the outcome of something because it's like new to you it's all technically new which i found really interesting and then 
especially with vulnerability, I was just thinking about how, uh, like I was sitting outside uh, earlier this week, just kind of looking at plants. Um, well, because we were talking about observation, Ian and I, and the observation of plants and just noticing the natural world. But then I found myself sitting there and then I was like, my brain was like, oh, you know, what are your parents going to think when they come home and they just see you staring at these plants? They're going to be like, what the heck is he doing? You know? <laughs> but then I was like, oh, that's so weird that, like, why am I not allowing myself to just be in relationship with this plant? Yeah. I love that, like, becoming the observer of your experience and that judge coming in um, and just feel like so many people could relate to that moment, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that, like, the curiosity, and you, you said having play more throughout your life, so maybe that's why I wrote down on mystery mm -hmm. that you brought up earlier, mm -hmm. so those all definitely connected. Do you have an idea or maybe even just for yourself or for everybody, like on how we could start to play more? <laughs> um, or how you could start to play more if you want to start Yeah, playing. well, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to suggest something that's totally not legal right now. Um, but the use of, of MDMA is mm. an incredible, incredible way to play mm. to um mm. and it's becoming available in therapeutic settings now it has been made legal um in a number of trial studies and mm. it's my hope especially with the books that are coming out like michael pollan's how to change your mind um that came out two summers ago and lots of articles that are coming out um it's my hope that more and more people will have access to using these for treating post-traumatic stress, for treating just depression, for treating anxiety, but also like in the right, in the right context, in the right use, they are potent. MDMA and psilocybin are such a potent um, way to recondition ourselves mm -hmm. and to uncondition the patterns and the behaviors right that we've been that we've been trained into us like that moment you were sitting there and you could imagine your parents coming home and saying what are you doing you know and it's not just you know it, sure your parents were what you imagined but it's not just your parents it's your it's your ego wondering the same damn thing you know like what are you doing and mm -hmm. and i feel like these drugs are so important for giving us access to other voices and other paradigms to remind us who we are and to remind us of our potential and to remind ourselves how to be at risk in the world, how to be vulnerable, how to be authentic, how to be curious, um, other ways to play. Um, carving out intentional time to, to do so. Like sometimes you have to schedule the time for doing nothing. And, um, and, and creating games. Like my family will make up games 
um, like we recently made up a game using desire and the tarot. And we made a list of things that we wanted to experience or do. And when those things were shared amongst the rest of the family members, then we like came up with a card in the tarot deck that represented that desire and put it on the playing board. And, and then when there were things that it were like a hell no for anyone, then that card also got like a place on the deck or, you know, got a card chosen and then, you know, a place on the playing board. And so that took carving out time though. And like, and letting it simmer, like knowing it was coming and thinking about, um, what do I want to do with that time? And what do I want to like getting in touch with my desires, getting in touch with my intentions. So a certain amount of good playtime comes with setting the play date (laughs) and, and inviting, inviting who's going to be at that play date, even if it's just yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something I was going to ask too. Like, Mm -hmm. can it be done? Not necessarily like in a vacuum, but like an isolation. Definitely. Definitely. Oh my gosh. A play date with yourself is great. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. I try, Mm -hmm. I try it out. Um, I try to like make, exercising or like working out my playtime mm-hmm. that's why i have like a slack line like a hacky sack and all that right. stuff right just so it's like there's no real structure mm-hmm. i'll just put on like a timer just but then even then i'm like setting limitations for myself you know but so long as within that space i think there's a certain amount of like intention for what that space gets to be mm-hmm. and and there's this wonderful actress she's in her 80s now her name's escaping me at the moment, um, but uh, another fabulous podcast called Death, Sex, and Money mm-hmm. interviewed her years ago, and uh, she was just asking her, like, you know, how do you keep up this pace of mm-hmm. acting still at your age? You know, she was like 81, 82, something like that, and she says, well, I take shitless days, and on shitless days, um, if I want to eat ice cream for breakfast, I do. <laughs> <laughs> And so I think, you know, we can have shitless days. We can also have, you know, shitless hours, but that you, that you do, that you carve that time out. And if, even if you said like during this hour, like it's my playtime, I'm going to work out, but you show up to your playtime and the intention was self-care, right? If suddenly in that moment you check in, you're like, no, hockey sack and slack line is not what I need. So long as you're true to the intention for that time Mm -hmm. of a play date with yourself, I don't think it matters what you do during it. I love that answer because it's exactly what I, I've been realizing. You know, mm. it's, because it's like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you forcing yourself to do it when that's not really, when you really just want to be like on a walk or like right. staring at the trees or something? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you, um, how do you know when what you truly want or like, so, you, you know, you, we talk about listening to ourselves. So how do you know when what you want to do is coming from, like, your true inner place? Or if you're telling yourself you don't want to do something because it makes you uncomfortable, but then you kind of need to oh, push through that. I have been studying inside of myself for a while, for a long while. Um, Mm -hmm. you start to you have to practice you have to practice some self-awareness and start to listen to the variations of those voices right um 
and and help that voice that is truly that inner guide to become loud really loud because a lot of times it's it's a little stifled and quiet and a whisper at first until you really start to nurture it um and the voice that's really loud is the voice of your ego that just wants to to play it safe and helping that voice to get quieter by saying thank you um by acknowledging its role and keeping you safe and in letting letting yourself know I am safe and right now what I really need is this stretch what I really need right now is this challenge and so having that self-awareness and something else that comes to mind is years ago I was listening to an Ayurvedic doctor speak about food and he was saying when our bodies are in balance we can discern when something is toxic and when something is is nourishing but when our bodies are out of balance even the toxicity even the poisons um we will crave them and so that's the other piece too is that when we're listening to those voices when we're listening to sometimes that inner battle or sometimes we can only hear one voice and we're not really sure if it's the right voice i think taking time to to ground like maybe it's literally putting our feet on the ground or just putting our like feet on the ground outside or maybe it's just putting our feet on the ground shoes off in our home but just take a moment to find your center maybe it's even like rocking back and forth on your feet and finding that physical center and then listen to that voice and see if that helps but i think you have to trust that you know the difference that you that the like the you that is your highest self that has your best most evolved self in mind has a voice and that you can hear it and that when you hear it it will sound different from the one that's just out to keep you comfortable and safe mm-hmm. I can remember when I started practicing yoga every day and um in the early days I decided to practice this one kriya I practiced kundalini yoga and I've been practicing since November of 1999 and um I felt really really called to practice this one kriya called nabi n a b h i kriya kriya spelled k r i y a uh for 45 days and then i realized that i needed to practice it for 90 days in order to heal um a lower back surgery and injury that i'd had as a young woman and i can remember one day the alarm going off and i just wasn't feeling it and this voice that i'd never heard before and let me preface this by saying that nabi kriya works on your solar plexus and your abdomen so it like really gets you in touch with your like inner purpose and will mm. and this voice <laughs> i've never heard before just shouted in my head get up <laughs> <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah i've never had to question since when that voice talks to me. It never it doesn't have to shout anymore. <laughs> Not often anyway. But um but yeah, I guess I just I share that to say like that voice can be cultivated and that's what I meant about like 
building that discerning awareness because right there's that other voice that you think is the voice that's like oh no just stay in bed it's so comfortable you're fine you need some more sleep and there are days though and I tell my students this that like some days that is the voice though that is caretaking you that like maybe you've just pushed it too far you've been working too hard and and you do it is a, it is a challenging job but you have to have some you have to keep self-assessing and and notice all right i listened to the voice what was the outcome do i feel my best self like i listened to the voice and i got out of bed and i did my yoga practice do i feel my best self hell yes i do great that was the voice i want to keep listening to or i listened to the voice and i stayed in bed and i got up an hour later do i feel my best self Maybe not my best self, but I definitely felt like I took care of myself and it's exactly what I needed. And I feel better. Okay, that was the voice. Or maybe an hour later you get out of bed and you feel like crap and you feel fuggy headed and you feel sluggish and you're late for your appointment. Was that the voice to listen to? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the voice that was caretaking you. It was just keeping you comfortable. I've been doing that a lot with like stopping myself from overeating and been like, Oh, am, am I really still hungry mm-hmm. or does this just like kind of sound good? Am I going to like, you know, yes. just like feel like an empty spot. And then like later on, I'm not going to sleep as well because I got too much food in my stomach kind of thing. It's a great example. Yeah. Or, uh, it's like, you know, maybe on my off day, like I know I have like this big window. I'll, I'll watch like an hour or so of TV, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then instead of doing that, I was like, no, it's okay. Like just walk or something else. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like, the food example was like what really connected me mm-hmm. that what your the mm-hmm. Ayurvedic teacher said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really powerful. So powerful. Mm-hmm. What, um, uh, one of my questions I had for you, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this, why Kundalini yoga? Mm-hmm. Um, short answer is the first time I went to a class, I felt like I'd come home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. And then it's been a process over 20 years of understanding why that yeah. is. Okay. And I would say, because on a, like, once I went and got my yoga teacher training and I, and I saw like a certain dogmatic aspect of it, then I was like, oh my gosh, like, it's so good that I had 10 years with my teacher here in, in Western North Carolina, who's very undogmatic and who's almost a rebel in the way that she shares these teachings i really needed that like i i haven't come from a catholic upbringing that was very dogmatic um i've been pretty resistant to boxes yeah and um in kundalini yoga i never felt like one even though it is its own box in some ways but the way that she taught it to me it never ever showed up that way and i needed a place in which i could be all the generalist parts of myself. And what I love about this practice is that um, similar to studying tango dance, which I've also done, um, there's a, there's no end in sight. There's, I will never know everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I love. Yeah. And in my ability to deepen my self-awareness, also is just on this never ending trajectory. Like the level of subtlety that I can perceive now is far above and beyond anything I could perceive 20 years ago. And, and I know that the level of subtlety and self-knowledge and awareness I'll have in 20 years will be nothing, you know, will be so far beyond 
what I have right now. So knowing that it is this everyday journey that I can step on, that it isn't just like I'm keeping myself limber or something, or mm -hmm. I'm keeping myself flexible, or I'm keeping myself strong. That's not enough for me. I need that marriage of the spiritual evolution with the keeping my body physically strong and flexible. Um, and I had, uh, I had an injury that required back surgery when I was 21. And this was the first physical practice that I'd found that helped to relieve some of my pain. And so the, the basic underlying techniques of Kundalini yoga, first of all, address my pain. Um, and then, um, developed in me just an incredibly strong uh, will, uh, an incredibly attentive and attuned spirit, um, just an ever-growing awareness and understanding of the world and people and, and mystery and magic. And then the other piece that's really important to me is it uses sound. Mm. And I really love using my voice. I love chanting and I love mantra and I love, um, I love singing. And so here was a practice that I could bring into my life every day that I got to do that. Mm. And it gave, yeah, it's, yeah. Mm. That's incredible. It's really, Brennan, you can't see her, but she's like lighting up right now. It's really fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what time it is. Um, you need to check that. Yeah, we're about we're at about time. We have one okay. one more question. Either of you that you really want to ask, Brendan? Do you have a burning question? Um, I don't. But I guess just if you have any final thoughts, or if there's something that you've been thinking about recently, some revelation, or just some kind of thing that has come to your mind that you'd want to share. Like, I'd love to hear. I don't know about for other people, but I feel like this time in the pandemic has been such a wonderful time for study. Like in the absence of all my doing, like 50% of my work life has, you know, is no longer right now. Um, and so I filled it with study. And I, so like, I feel like the revelations and the insights and the ahas are uh, you know, daily sometimes, uh, but definitely weekly. And I'm really grateful for that. Can I ask one last short question? Mm -hmm. Where, do you have like a long-term goal right now? Anywhere you like mm -hmm. see yourself and maybe, I don't know, like six month year, five year goal. A great question. Um, and the answer is no. That's part, I feel like, like if you had asked me in January mm -hmm. before the pandemic, I would have been like, yeah, I've got this facilitation career that I'm growing. And, um, you know, in the next five years, I'm going to really strengthen and build that. And I'm going to be doing trainings all over the country and I'm going to be helping, you know, businesses and nonprofits to be their best, you know, best possible organizational selves. Um, and I'm going to continue to deepen and build my yoga community and, um, and, hand off the community garden like get to the get the community garden to a place where it can be handed off to the next generation of leadership mm -hmm. and that was my vision <laughs> and then COVID happened and now i'm in this beautiful unknown mm -hmm. and that's what all of this study has been i think because i had this opportunity to 
to know myself in a way maybe that I didn't have time to before. Like that whole piece that I was saying, like my preferred way of thinking is to be emotional and expressive and musical and intuitive. But I spend like 10% of my time there and I spend 90% of my time as a detailed person who's organizing and planning. Yeah. And, and so I would like that, that to flip. And I don't know what my life will look like when I flip that. And I don't know what I will be doing when I flip that. Mm. And I am really curious and ex- I don't know, excited to find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like an exciting thing to be like, I don't, not waiting on, but like mm-hmm. anticipating, I guess. Pursuing. Because, yeah, yeah, pursuing. Yeah. Pursuing the unknown. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you both. What a delightful conversation sitting in the sun on this porch. Yeah, thank you. Season, or I don't know what season, I think we're on season two or three, but (laughs) we'll have you on again because you're always someone like whenever I see you, I want to like stop and take up all your time, but I know I can't do that. (laughs) So it's hard to set those boundaries. So forgive me when I don't. Thank you. All right. Love you, Brendan. Love you too.